0: Hello. Welcome to another edition of the BCF Training Podcast. I'm LaVon Gilbert. I'm the founder of BCF Training. And today we have a very active individual joining us. We have first Deputy Police Commissioner of Mount Vernon, Ernest Morales. Ernest, thank you very much for making the time and you're scheduled to join us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Levan. Thank you for inviting me to the
1: show. I'm really excited to uh, speak about my experiences. I think we're gonna have a great time
0: this evening. All right, sounds, sounds good. So just to give a little background, Ernest and I met almost a year ago at a holiday party back when New York City was open or when we were not experiencing this pandemic. And we had some lively conversation about being active. And of course, I think we even talked about watches at that point. And uh, we kept in touch via Instagram, uh, noticing each other, staying active, running. He's an active runner, which we're going to talk about that here pretty soon. Um, But yeah, so Ernest, if you could tell us a bit about you, um, where you're from, something about your background and where you are today. I'm not going to do all the talking. I want to hear from you. Go ahead. So I think my story started in the Lower East
1: Side of Manhattan back in 1967 when I was born. I was born to a single mother who was 19 years old. Uh, we were poor at the time, right? Because I grew up in a single family home on welfare. And i that was during the heroin epidemic. And it's funny how history repeats itself because we're kind of experiencing that right now. However, I knew early on in life that I didn't want that to become a cycle. And I had to find a way to escape that history. I didn't want to repeat it. It was was kind of contagious within the family, right? I experienced aunts and uncles, my mom as well, who were playing in that world of drugs. Although my mother was able to rebound and get out of it and set an example for me, she was definitely my role model. And she gave me the inspiration to aspire for other things. So I would say that during my teenage years, I knew I wanted something better. But prior to that, she, what she did for me was we had programs like the Boys Club. Thank God for the Boys Club because one day she enrolled me when I was six years old. But I'll say when I was about nine years old, I went up to the second floor gymnasium, saw a boxing gym there. And there was a trainer by the name of Johnny Rivera. Now, remember, I didn't have a father, so this was my male role model, right? And I don't necessarily think that I wanted to box, but I was lucky in as far as having a male individual who spent time with me and focused on me. And he taught me an art. I wasn't good at it at the beginning, took a lot of time to develop the skills, but I've always been tenacious in all of my goals. So with that said, I started getting good as I put more time and effort into it It became so good I actually outgrew the boys' club, and we had to start traveling around city gyms to obtain sparring. I've been very fortunate in this sport. After a brief amateur experience, you know, where I got to travel internationally, other countries, that's where I got a lot of my education, life education, Mm. I turned pro, turned professional. We had a great camp. I was in a, a great stable, I mean. No, I had Johnny Rivera as my trainer, but I also had renowned world trainer Hector Roca in my stable. We had Arturo Gatti, who was a two division world champion. He got to box and spar with him for two and a half years. Uh, Rogelio who was a nineteen eighty four Olympic Olympian, as well as world champion, junior lightweight champion. Uh, Freddie Libertori, who was my nemesis in the amateur ranks. Yeah, <laughs> we actually. Boxed three times, three competitions, three championships. He beat me in all three championships. Uh, He fought for the world title. And uh, we also had Poison Junior Jones, who was a four-division world champion. So, you know, four of them reached the upper classes, echelons of professional game. I don't know. You know, nothing is ever guaranteed in professional sports. Mm -hmm. I remember having my first professional fight, although I won. When I woke up the next day, it was like someone put a meat cleaver right through my head. And that's what it felt like to win. If it hurt so much to win, I always wondered, what would it feel like losing? <laughs> right? So when, yeah. the NYPD, when the NYPD called me because I had taken the test, I always wanted, I aspired to be a police officer. Because back then, growing up in the Lower East Side, seeing all of the crime, I've always felt that I can make a difference, right? I could, I, somehow I can get rid of narcotics so when i joined the nypd when they called me it was like a guaranteed contract they promised me a million dollars and that was guaranteed right you have to take the guarantee i know with my hands i may have had the potential to make much more but at what expense and my health my well-being so i decided you know a family just started a family with my girlfriend at the time but we were having babies and i think our second daughter was going to be born and i decided that you know it would be best for me to get something stable and guaranteed and we eventually got married and we grew our family so you know that's just a short short synopsis and we'll continue
0: on as we go back and forth okay okay all right now with your um you were you were so active and you were now you actually did turn professional as a boxer yes, correct absolutely okay. did Okay. So now when you went into the NYPD, were you still having that, uh, I want to say, craving itch to be as active as you were when you were a boxer? Because sometimes people, it's hard for them to move into something where they're not as, they're not training in, in the same way. So I was just wondering for you, I mean, you were Still, of you know, a very young man. But talk to me a little bit about that mindset, that shift for you, going from the professional career of being a boxer to then going into this very structured format of police work.
1: So I will tell you this: I, <laughs> it's funny because you know, as a top athlete, you're in pristine shape, right? Your physical conditioning. I had eight yeah. percent body fat, and wow, I can go. 130 pounds at 5'9", although I was thin, I was much bigger because it was all muscle. I actually got out of shape in the academy. Their training was not vigorous, not for Mm. a professional athlete. For an average individual trying to get in shape, yes, it can be challenging and compelling, but for an athlete, it was a letdown. I, I gained 10 pounds there and you know, just the limelight. When you're a professional athlete and you're in the limelight, you get the attention of people, you're relevant. Now I was just a police officer, and although I was a young police officer, you know, maybe I was proud of the fact that I was wearing that gun and shield at the time because police officers were appreciated, not so much today. We're going through a different uh, g- growing moment, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't – there's not one day I regret – Joining public service, I would say it was kind of hard that transition from being the center of attention to yeah. being a public servant. Right, that was a very hard transition, but there's not one day as I got older and more wiser, and I saw I, you know, here we are 2020, right? I, I, I have the advantage of looking back and I wouldn't change anything, I wouldn't change anything at all because I think public service is a noble profession and being part of a professional police force first with the NYPD and now with the Mount Vernon police department I'm
0: absolutely 100% I made the right choice. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now as your career was moving forward with because you you had a very nice career with the New York Police Department. Talk to me about over the years as you were raising your family cuz uh, we're going to talk about all the activities and your accomplishments that you were achieving, but talk to me about how you were still able to make health and fitness part of your lifestyle while you were moving along in the police department, because not all, not all um, public servants are keep, continue to keep themselves in shape, okay? That's, that's just, we see that, but you did. So what was going on with you? Where was that motivation coming from for you? I have to say that during my
1: childhood, just growing up in general, when you see people in poverty stricken areas, urban areas, they don't necessarily take care of themselves. They don't eat right. And by the time they're 40, 50 years old, they're broken. They're, you know, they're, they're on walkers, they're using canes. And they, mm-hmm. you know I remember growing up and seeing 50 years old and thinking, oh my God, Look at this. This is the end of life. And here I am at 53, and I'm proud. I'm like, I don't think I wish I was 35 years old. No, because of everything <laughs> I've established, everything I have here, I'm very proud of where I am. But I believe that life goes in stages, right? So when you're young, you're preparing for that first quarter of life, your first 25 mm-hmm. years. What you do during that time prepares you for the second phase of life, you know, 25 to 50. And right now I still stay active because I'm I'm working on my third phase of life, 75. So I eat well, I stay active, not as active as I want to do now. And I only say that not because of my responsibilities, but because it's very hard to stay motivated in the age of COVID. There are no competitions. So you, yeah. you have to self-motivate yourself, right? Because I've always been an athlete. So what motivated me was the competition. And if I had a goal, I knew I was going to compete to someone. I want to be faster. I want to be stronger. It doesn't necessarily work that way all the time. But you have a goal and an objective.
0: Yes. Yes. No, I, I completely get it. So as we, tra- I'm going to transition with that because I think. I, I have a bit of a, a, a similar thought in terms of for me with running, and you have uh, some lengthy uh, history with running. You have actually completed all six World Major Marathons. Correct. That, yes, yeah, that is awesome. And you've act, and you finished twenty four marathons total, or, or or is the number higher now? No, the number 20, is twenty four. By
1: the end okay. of. If COVID didn't hit, I was going to be about 27. No, I would have actually been at 33 because yeah. uh, I, I say my coach, my dietitian, my everything, my wife. She yeah. prepares my meals. She prepares my itinerary, so we're able to travel around the world because she schedules me into these runs. And uh, after I completed the World Marathon Majors, our next goal was going to be World Marathon Challenge, which is 777 seven marathons, seven days, all seven continents. Unfortunately, you know, COVID hit. I know that they're tentatively scheduled for November of this year, but I don't know what's going on. And that's a large investment of time and money to be investing for something that's not solid. I need to know what's going to happen, right? So right now we're planning for 2023. Gives me more time to think about it. Hopefully the Mm -hmm. pandemic, be over by then and we'll be back to normal life and
0: everything will ramp back up we hope so we definitely do now how did you get into running marathons tell (laughs) me about that i I don't know so you
1: know running right is part of boxing you have to stay right right i be running outside but you know who wants to wake up 4 a.m in the morning when you're poor it's easier to wake up four in the morning right because you have dreams of making money and getting out of the hood Right? right. But once you have a job and you're making money, getting getting up four o'clock in the morning is really <laughs> difficult.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So uh, I, I, I in high school, I started I joined the track team. I joined the cross country team just so I can stay running, staying consistent. After after I graduated high school, you know, now was my professional career. It became a responsibility. But running was something I always did to stay in shape. Once the boxing career was over, I still had this energy, and I always had that goal of just completing one marathon. Well, guess what? Running three miles every other day, three to five miles every other day is probably great for boxing, not for marathon running.
0: And I learned that
1: the hard way, because I ran my first marathon, and it took me six weeks to heal. Oh, really? Really? oh i completely hurt myself from the waist down i completely hurt myself i didn't have any feeling wow it it showed me that i was in two very different sports in my i had the mindset of a professional athlete for a different sport not running and i had to respect the pavement and the long distance of 26.2 miles yes yes i didn't let the pain deter me i decided that i was going to Attack it the following year. I was going to train properly, and uh, I I improved my run by uh, 32 minutes. So I completed that marathon under 350, 351, 352 second time around. So I, I'm very happy with that great improvement by 30 minutes.
0: That's great.
1: From there, That's I always felt that I can go faster. I could I just you know self challenge. I I could just challenge myself and do better. I, I to date nothing. You know great but my best marathon time is 342 42. i did that mm-hmm. maybe three years ago i you know my short-term goal was to break 330. i i definitely have to invest more time and training i know mm-hmm. that that's doable ultimately my goal was and this is probably a goal that's never going to happen as i age not saying it's impossible but i'll probably have to get a professional trainer and retire three hours if i break three hours I, I, I tell you, I will never run another marathon ever again. Really? That's right. That,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: that's the end goal. If I could work three month, three hours,
0: I'm never running again. I, I'll run, but not, not long distances. Okay. I run hear that. Just to go. Got you. Got you. Well, I, actually, that's good. that brings me back to something. Which you, you mentioned retire. Some people... I mean, it it says something about you and your character and how you like to stay busy. Some people they just think of that one moment of retirement. Right. You retired, distinguishedly retired from the New York City Police Department, but it you didn't stop. You barely took a weekend off from your retirement. Most people are like, ah, I'm done. You know, get a cigar. They go, they ride right off into the sunset. Not you, what did you do? Tell us. I well, know, I know, you didn't even take, how many, you took like, not, again, not even a weekend.
1: Right, three days, about three days. Yes. I retired on Friday, July 17th from the NYPD after, after 30 years. Mind you, I never reported sick during those 30 years. It's very important, right? Yeah, wow. I, went, I went back to work. I was sworn in as first deputy commissioner of Mount Vernon Police Department on Tuesday, July, Uh, 21st. And and I tell you, staying busy is important, right? Because you have to have purpose. If we have purpose in life, I think that gives us longevity. But we also have to take care of ourselves. And that's important, right? It's all a mindset, but you have to put those
0: principles into practice. Very true. Very true. And with that, in terms of, because part of the thing is, and what I like to talk to people about is our bodies as we are aging, as we are in our midlife, how we continue to stay active. We may not be clicking the same times we did 10, 15 years ago, but that doesn't mean that we don't have purpose and that we don't have goals that we want to achieve as we move forward. So for you, what are what have you seen and how have you adjusted as you have aged, right? To your diet, right, nutrition, and how you stay active, your activity level. Talk to me about that because it is a struggle. Like, you know, for me, my thing is my back. I just don't feel the same way that I felt five years ago. So I've had to adjust my workouts. They're not as dynamic. They're not as intense, but they still are intense. But I have to get over that mentally. So how is it for you as you're aging here?
1: right so i would say that you know we are our own worst enemy right because we can come up with many excuses as to why we shouldn't remain active and i said this to a couple of my officers this morning you know i didn't get to work out this morning because i had a hard workout two and a half hours of shoveling the driveway i know i had the same one (laughs) all right so that was my workout for the day yeah what was funny is i went to bed late last night about 12 o'clock I was waiting for my wife to come home, and 6 a.m. I was already up. Now, if I had to run, I went to bed with the notion that I have to run. I promise you, I would have woken up this morning with my legs hurting, because that happens every day when I have to run. Now it's in my mind, because the minute (laughs) I get out there and I start running, there's no pain whatsoever. It's just an excuse we make. But this morning when I woke up, knowing that I didn't have to run, but I only had to shovel, my legs were fine. Woke up, no aches and pains. <laughs> Another mistake that I believe that we make as we get older is that we often reflect back of what we used to be, how fast, how strong we used yeah. to be. So when we let ourselves get out of shape and we want to get back into shape, we believe we can turn it on to where we used to be. And that's a big mistake because we I agree
0: with right? you 100%.
1: And then we hurt ourselves, and that deters us from continuing with our goals. Yes. So as we get older, we have to remember to break it down into small increments. You know, you may have once been a five-minute mile runner, but now you aren't. So you have to start walking. We have to walk before we start running. And I tell everyone that it doesn't matter if it takes you 15 minutes to run that mile. It's getting it done. And as you start improving and you increase your distance, then you can start working on speed. But it has to be done gradually and slowly, and you have to write it down. You have to have a plan in place.
0: I hear you. As as you said that, I'm making a note here. Uh, I, I love hearing the tips that people share when they come on, and and you've got some good ones. And I'm definitely taking my notes here. So, with um, with your current workout, are you training for anything specific right now or is this a a maintenance or I I don't want to use I don't want to define it for you tell me what what's going on with your uh your workouts now no so you have the right idea it's definitely a maintenance program right so
1: remember I was always used to running a marathon so I was pounding out putting a lot of miles in and that was just working one aspect of my body so i i want to go back to my roots right now since i'm not running as much i want to stay in shape i want a complete overhaul so i want to go back to my roots and i just want to start boxing so i changed the routines so that we don't get stagnant right because i don't want to plateau and that's what happens after three months you definitely plateau and you don't feel the workout so by constantly challenging myself and changing the routines. I won't have that effect. It's just hard. It is hard, right? You have to realize that you're going to grow. I don't want to say it's pain because that pain, when I leave to go to work after my workout, it's like I'm tired, but you feel that adrenaline rush. It's like a high that yeah. wow. I wouldn't I wouldn't change that for anything in the world.
0: <laughs> I hear you. I, I, I can't explain
1: you. it, but you know, you feel like you feel like you're tired, but you're not tired. You you just wow. It's such a rush.
0: Yes, yes. Well, you get the endorphin rush from it too. And it's 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 a nice balance of not pushing yourself to the point of where you're at, like fatigue, where you can't really focus or do anything. That's the balance that, that we need to have when we, we have the rest of the day to deal with. But sometimes when the workout is so good, you just want to keep it going, keep it going. But it's like, ah, time to go. Time to work. So yeah, right. yeah. Now with with your because you're you're super busy still. Uh, I want to get to you are also deputy deputy commissioner of the New York State Athletic Commission. Yes. How'd you get involved with that? So remember, so tell, us, tell us what that encompasses
1: for. Right. Uh, so so New York, New, New, right, New York State Athletic Commission. Actually, we're responsible for all combat sports in the state of New York. That's MMA, mixed martial arts. That's professional wrestling, and that's boxing as well. So I was able to get through that because of my boxing experience. I knew people within the industry, and because they recognized me, I was asked to come on. It wasn't easy. I transitioned over, but uh, I started out as an inspector. And Mm -hmm. basically, our responsibility is we have to make sure that the athletes, they don't cheat right? Because let, let me ask, let me tell you something. In professional sports, regardless of what you think, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. <laughs> right? Okay. That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> no. Say what you will. I was a professional fighter. Listen, the world best don't get to the top without cheating. Some form, some way. Everybody, because remember, we're all at the same level. You want some other advantage. Now, ethically, mm-hmm. right? No, I wouldn't say is correct. We would like to believe that we're being honest, but I will tell you this: you know, I just had a conversation with a fan the other day, and he believed we we spoke about welterweight. So welterweight in boxing, because in mixed martial arts is a different weight class. But in okay. boxing, it's one forty-seven, eight pound, eight ounce, eight ounce gloves is what the athletes use. Now he believed that when the athletes actually get into the ring they're still 147 and i say absolutely not they have the they're 147 when they get on the scale but they have 48 hours to rehydrate and eat so they can conceivably come into the ring 10 to 15 pounds or more heavier and he like thought that that was such a disadvantage and i go but that's the reality right so i i would say that we regulate the sport and we make it as even as possible we test them we take their urine to make sure they're not on any performance enhancing drugs we mm-hmm. watch them wrap their hands to make sure that they do it correctly and we also watch them glove we don't we want to take the edges away from them so inspecting is very important to regulate the sport and you know we're, we have medical attention we have translators on scene as well so that if we have a fighter in the corner, and they're speaking another language, we have that translator so that they're there and they can hear the cues. Because I'll tell you, in boxing or MMA, you may have an injured athlete, but they're not going to tell you that they're injured. They're going to continue. We listen for those cues. Because if someone says, my hand is broken, I can't see out my eye, something wrong with my ear, something's hurt, we'll call in the doctor and conduct an examination there and make an assessment before we let the athlete go back out.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, got you. So, Ernest, with your, because you also are involved in some um, volunteer work um, that, that, that you, well, you've had a number of different areas where you volunteered. How do you now, make your time how do you schedule your your fitness your workouts so how do you fit things in
1: so this is the thing right i i believe that as we get older we get busy we prioritize and we make maybe our jobs our number one obligation well that's the wrong method and i think i made that mistake early in life i have to tell you that as i've gotten older and wiser i now know that There's a person was number one. That's me. You should always put yourself first, regardless of the fact whether you have children, you have a wife, you have a spouse. You have to be number one because if you don't love yourself, you can't do for anyone else. Because you're constantly searching for what's wrong within you. It took me a long time to get to a good place, and I had a full support staff. Right? I have my wife who absolutely supports me 100%. She's done a phenomenal job raising our children. But I was broken. Right. And I think we're all broken to some aspect, depending on the experiences we had during our childhood. Mm -hmm. So with that said, to get to your question, you have to remember that you're number one and you have to start your morning praising yourself. I praise myself in the morning and I know that I have to be responsible. So I have to start my day with my workout because by doing that, I start the day off correctly. I don't. Think about the whole day, thinking about, I have to work out, I have to get this in. That feeling of guilt because I missed something. Mm-hmm. It's done, it's over with, I can only add on to it. So yeah. if I want a second or a third workout, it's done. And wow, just clearing your day from the previous evening's stress factors. When I'm out mm-hmm. there on the run, I clear my mind. I come up with the best plans. That's when I
0: start thinking. It's just yeah. me on the road, right. I know that feeling. Yes. I know that feeling. For me, it's like I need to be twenty, maybe thirty minutes into my run, and then that's when my mind just kind of starts to open up, and I get my best thoughts. I, I get clarity on things that may have been troubling me or you know consuming too too many of my 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 thoughts before. But then I'm out, and it's just kind of like this is the th- this is my therapy. That's that the way works. it feels on the road. I' like, what
1: was that? You're cleansing the soul.
0: Yes, right? very like very refreshing. true. You
1: come back, you feel good, your endorphins are going, and it's like, <laughs> wow, I'm good. I'm good. It's a happy start to the day.
0: Yes, yes, it is. So how, how about your diet? How how is talk to me about that? How's uh, diet, talk, you know, your nutrition, now, what's that like?
1: I, I, I got to tell you, you know, my dietitian is my wife, like I say, and she has me on a strict regimen here where she gives me vegetables. We're eating fish, something like that. Every once in a while, you know, once in a blue moon, she'll throw in some meat there, right? But we try to stay away from me. She's not a meat eater. so. But every once in a while, she'll throw in meat for me. Here's the problem, right? Although I'm strict on that diet here because I have her
0: here looking at me, she prepares my meals. <laughs> I actually go to work with a lunch bag. Oh, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you. Now, when you're away from home, though, how how is your diet? I mean, like, what do oh, you right, select? You you go prepared. I no, I go prepared,
1: and that that's you know that's the challenge right there because you you want to say that you aren't tempted to eat outside. However, mm-hmm. when I work and they bring in the pizza pie, and then everybody invites yeah. you, you know, you don't want to be antisocial, right? So you want to, really? and who doesn't love pizza? I love pizza. So oh mm-hmm. my God, I just forgot it. She prepared my salad, right? So she prepared chicken salad, right? It's been in the refrigerator for three days because they've been feeding me out there. And I go, <laughs> my wife knows while I'm eating at work, she'll go crazy. <laughs> she'll go crazy. But you know, I always remember to bring that meal back home so I can eat it. Now I'm going away for the weekend. I forgot it'll sit there. I'll eat it on Monday. So I hope. But they'll probably feed this, uh they'll probably feed the pet on Monday. So I won't want to my prepared meal.
0: I hear you, I hear you. So overall, I mean, your diet sounds very clean. Your wife does a good job of keeping that in order for you. And in turn, I would think that that just helps your performance in terms of, I mean, like for me, I'm gonna give you my, my example. If I know I have a long training run coming up the next day or in two days, Then I'm tracking and I'm keeping my diet focused so that I can then perform for that specific day. Because there's nothing worse for me than getting out there for something I'm looking forward to and physically something that I could have controlled, I didn't. And then I'm not able to perform stomach issue, um, energy issue, cramping. I'm like, I want to make the best of that time because I've allotted maybe. 2 hours or 3 hours for a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning long run so i want to make the best of it and what i eat and what i drink before is definitely going to uh, is going to play a role in that session right no no so, to,
1: yeah you definitely have to have a, a clean diet right you can you can cheat every once in a while so you have to cheat every once in a while because right. if you oh. you're just going to lose it and you shouldn't feel guilty about falling off the wagon we're human mm-hmm. right and every once in a while, we are going to fall off the wagon. We just have to get focused and remember what our end goal is and get right back to it. doesn't matter that you make a mistake. It doesn't matter you missed a day or two. Just make that time and get right back at it. Stop making excuses, right? Because I'll tell you that there are sometimes when I'm so busy, I'll go two or three days without training. And that mm-hmm. seems like a long time. Thank God for the yeah. Gar- Garmin watch, right? And I look and I go, "Wow, it's only been three days, but it felt like a week." So <laughs> you, still have, you have that—you uh, have that guilt. So it, it's a normal process to feel guilty about it. You just have to remain
0: consistent. That's the key: remaining consistent and you know, small increments. Well, as you as you say that, I want to get to this point because I love asking people um, the the question of. What do you tell people, or what would you tell some of the people listening to this who maybe have that just difficulty getting to that point of being consistent, or I'm gonna say they have these false starts, they get started plus, you know, we're coming on up to the new year. Many people have that as their target as, okay, this time I'm gonna do this. What kind of advice tips would you uh, put out there for some people who are about to embark on a new program or a fresh start? What would you tell them? I would tell them that, you know, there
1: is no January 1st. Every day is January 1st. If you're going to start, you start now. Right? You write your goal down, you tell yourself where you want to be, but be patient. Please be patient. Where, especially for middle-aged people, it's not going to take you six to eight weeks, right? When I was in training camp, it would take me six to eight weeks to get ready for a fight, right? If you're mm-hmm. ready running for a marathon it'll take you 16 weeks when you're in shape to get ready for a marathon we're yes. older now guess what it's going to take you six months to get ready for a marathon now six months so you have to break it down in phases and you'll see gradual improvement if you do it correctly because the one thing you want to do is to avoid injury
0: yes right
1: so yes. you have to write down your goal but it has to be a long-term goal it can't be here and now Right? A marathon isn't a race. A marathon is a project. And you have to break it down.
0: So that's I why- like the way I like the way you started with be patient. Yes. That was like the first thing that you said. And that's that is so key because people want to fast forward to the end. I mean, you can have the end goal in mind, but you got to be patient up front because there's nothing worse than running out of the gate getting injured, and now you're completely discouraged and you use that as an excuse not to do anything. Correct. Right? And I tell you, so. I've completed 24
1: marathons. I've never run one marathon in my life. So you ask me, how's that possible? Yeah, how's that possible? Because the first 5K, first 3.1 miles is my warm-up. From that point on, I run 23 one-mile races. Hmm. How that's possible? I break it down. It's just get to that next mile, get to my water station, walk it off. I reset. Next mile. I break okay. it down into small increments. Right? I've never run a marathon in my mind. Physically, I have, but mentally, I have not.
0: Okay. All right. That's interesting. I hadn't heard it positioned like that before. That's good though. I I, I get it as I'm you know kind of playing back some of some of my running. But yes, right. definitely, I get that. Very cool, very cool. Well, Ernest, I definitely thank you for coming on and joining us and sharing your story. This has been great. Really appreciate it. Is well, there anything well, else you would like to yeah, well, yeah. ask? Is there anything? I, to ask I, you the want one to
1: ask? thing we left out is that I also serve in the United States Navy. I'm oh. officer, right. Sorry so, about that. No, yes. no that's, that, that's okay. You know, I'm going to retire in April after 22 years, 22 great years. I think that, you know, although I didn't want to retire, and this is why I say I'm a reservist right now. So I show up one week in a month, two weeks out of the year. Uh, That's really more, it's more than a part-time job because of the responsibility. I have to say that first and foremost. But I say that my wife is in the Navy. I just show up to drills for her because she's absolutely all about the military life. She loves it. As a matter of fact, once we're done with this show, we're going to get in the car and drive up to Massachusetts because I'm on the annual training. So I'll be doing my Navy duty this weekend. I'm going to bring my wife with me. So we're going to make a weekend of it.
0: Nice.
1: Yes, really I nice. in the Navy in 1999, April of 1999. I was fortunate enough in 2007 to receive a direct commission. So I'm now a lieutenant commander, 04. That's major in every other branch. And uh, we're going to wrap it up because of my obligation to the city of Mount Vernon. So, nice. you know, yeah, But I don't regret that. Uh, the only thing I do regret is that I have to retire because I loved every day of service.
0: That's great. That's great. Will you enjoy this weekend for sure? Yes. Uh, all right. And I when uh, this, thank you. Same to you. And when this pandemic is over, we have to get together. We, Absolutely. we definitely do. I look forward to it. All right. Okay. It. okay. You take care. Thank you again, Ernest. You Be too. safe. Bye. All right.